Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Can we have some African-American church tonight? Is that all right? Is that all right? We a bit of hollering and hooping. Um, um, and the band's going to stay up and... Uh, that's, that's to give you the false sense of security that we're going to finish early. No, I'm just kidding. We are going to try and finish early um, and uh, just package a bunch of dynamite into a small package and, and really have a great time uh, tonight. I believe the word that I'm going to share with you tonight is going to stir your faith. I believe if you're allowed to get it deep down inside of you, it's going to change your perspective. It's going to change the way you look at things. The reason I think that is because that's what it did for me when I first got this revelation. Um, and so... Uh, I believe that uh, it's, it's transformative, this word that we're going to share tonight. So you can grab your seats where you are, but I don't, I don't know how long you're going to stay in there, uh, probably for the first little bit. But what we're going to do at the end is we're going to declare some great things about our God, and we're going to worship around that, and we're going to have a, a little bit of time just allowing God's presence to move. You know, when we talk about open heaven nights, oftentimes we think, you know, these reflective moments of worship and all that sort of stuff, and it is that, and that's great. But sometimes open heaven can just look like looking into the throne room of God, you know, and seeing something that stirs your faith and inspires you uh, and stirs the praise up inside of your heart and gives you something that you just feel like you've got to yell about and make some noise about, you know. Um, I feel a little bit with this word, a little bit like the prophet of old who said that the Word of God is like fire shut up in my bones and it's kind of like something that's got to get out and I hope tonight that it stirs your faith and makes you feel a little bit the same uh, because that would be cool. If you've got your Bibles... And of course, being the spiritual people that you are, you would have your Bibles. Um, We're going to go to the book of Luke and chapter 19. And we're going to read from uh, verse 30. No, we'll read from verse 32. No, we'll read from further down. I'm just trying to make this as short as I can, but still get all the punch. Here we go. So I'm going to give you some backstory first, and then we're going to read a couple of verses. What's happened is Jesus is going into a town, and it's a moment that they call his triumphant entry. How many of you have heard the story where Jesus comes in, and the people are lining the roadways, and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and they're laying the palm leaves down, and their coats on the ground, and Jesus is coming in on that donkey, right? Who knows that story? Awesome. Cool. That's where, we're, that's where we are. So here we go. Just... Side note, just to put a modern context on it, Jesus says to his disciples, go into that village over there, and as you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks why you're untying the colt, just say, the Lord needs it. Side note, in a modern day context, that's like saying, just go down the road to Salisbury, and there's a brand new HSV in somebody's driveway that nobody's ever driven before. I want you to let yourself in and reverse it out the driveway. And if the owner of the house asks you what's going on, you say, the Lord needs it. (laughs) I wouldn't recommend that as a doctrinal standpoint of a way to do life. I think you're going to get beaten up. But what an incredible thing. Uh, Jesus is so unorthodox. He does things that have never been done before. I think the the point, the revelatory point for us tonight and and what I want to drive home for us right from the start is how willing would you be to do something that had never been done before if it was something that would facilitate a move of God in your own life? 
Jesus chose to come in on a colt that had never been ridden before. He wanted to come in in a way that had never been done before, using something that had never been used before. This is one of the reasons why I'm passionate about youth ministry is because we're gonna see young people rise up that had never done things before. And we have to put a level of trust and belief and weight on that to allow God to use things that He's never used before, to allow God to use situations He's never used before to bring you to a place of revelation. But here we go into the message. They begin to sing blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. It's always the religious ones, right? And he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Some versions say the stones along the road would sing his praise. Stones. Have you ever read the Bible and thought, what the heck are you talking about? Anyone? This is just me. Just me? It's just me. I'm getting nods. I don't know. I'm confused now. People are nodding. People are saying no. <laughs> I read that and I go, that's ridiculous. Stones don't speak. Last time I checked, I, I actually tried the theory this afternoon. I went out in the backyard and in between my dog trying to kill me and, and, and me filling the pool up with water, I had a conversation with a few of the stones and it was a really one-way thing. It wasn't a lot coming back. And, and, and so as I read this for the, uh, for the umpteenth time, having read the same thing over and over again uh, throughout my time growing up in church, I, I, I like to push on things like that and say, God, what, what the heck do you mean by that? What does it mean? Now, oh, we can read it. The stones are going to cry out. And we just go, that's great. That's a great thought. Yeah, awesome. But stones don't cry out. So what the heck are you talking about, God? What are you trying to get at there? And, and at the same time, I was doing a study uh, on the book of Joshua. And it's going to sound like a geology lesson in a minute. But um, I was doing a study on the book of Joshua. And it gets to the last, the last chapter of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. And there's this incredible, amazing moment where Joshua is putting the charge out to the Israelites. And he's saying, you know what? We're, we're occupying this land now. We're going into the things that God has called us to do. And you need to make a decision. Are you going to serve the gods of your forefathers? Are you going to serve the gods of this land that you now occupy? Or will you serve the God who brought you out of Egypt? You would think it's a no-brainer. However, given their history, it's probably a valid question. And they have this dialogue with the children of Israel. And they all, to a man, say, no, we're going to serve the God who brought us out of Egypt. And then Joshua does this interesting thing. He says, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day at Shechem, committing them to follow the decrees and regulations of the Lord. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instruction as a reminder to their agreement. He took a huge stone and rolled it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. And then Joshua said to the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word. And I thought, okay, we've got some talented rocks in the Bible. Not only do they sing, but they testify, they praise, and they remember. That's some talented rocks. Has anyone ever had a pet rock? Did it have the googly eyes? I made those at school. You know, you get the rock, you put the googly eyes on. My most talented googly-eyed rock never did any of those things. And yet there's something sitting underneath this, a principle that I believe God wants us to get hold of. Of We know that rocks last for a long time. We know that rocks, they kind of hang around a bit. And, and if these rocks can remember, 
If these rocks can, can understand what's going on, if they're overhearing conversations down through the ages, then what we have in Luke is a warning for us where God is saying, if my people won't give me praise, then the very rocks are gonna start to spill the beans of the things that they've heard and the things that they've seen. Why would they do that? I'll tell you why they do that. Because the rocks wanna remind you about the greatness of our God. So when you come into church and you're like, man, I don't feel like praising today. Think about the rocks. When you come into church and you're like, man, I, I've had a rough week and I, I'm not sure. Or, or maybe you're searching for a reason to praise. You, you need to think about the rocks uh, because the rocks will bear witness against you. The rocks have got something to say about the reason why we should praise God. So what that did for me was it started to search through the Bible. I began to search through the Bible and, and look at all the rocks. I would like to talk to you about some of the rocks. Is that cool? I want to talk to you about some of the rocks and some of the things that they would have to say. And as we go through them, I want us, we're going to take moments. We're going to pray for certain things with certain people. We're going to praise on certain things with certain people. And we're going to see God's anointing fall in this place. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 28. It's a story of a man called Israel, Jacob. It was Jacob originally. God changed his name to Israel. And he's coming back and this guy has been a deceiver. He's lived a life that, that hasn't been God glorifying. He's made lots of bad choices. And he has a moment with God. And the Bible says that he takes a stone and makes a pillow out of it. Man, I don't know how you'd sleep on that, right? Think of more comfortable things to put my head on. He takes a stone and he uses it as a pillow. And at this place, he has an encounter with God where he wrestles for a promise and refuses to let go. And God declares Himself to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I believe as we come into church, I don't know if I feel like praising this week. God wants to remind you, the stones want to remind you that He's a God of the generations. He's a God of the fathers and the sons and the mothers and the daughters and the brothers and the sisters. That rock will declare to you, no, no, you need to praise Him because He's the God of the generations. You need to give Him some praise because that son that you're praying for to come back to God, His breakthrough is locked up in your praise. That father that you're praying for to come back to God, His breakthrough is locked up in your praise. And the stones are going to begin to cry out to you. Come on, let your praise go in this place tonight. I, I don't know. I don't know if you're in this place tonight and you've got a, a son or a daughter or a father or a mother who's away from God. But I tell you this, their breakthrough is in your praise. And while we're standing in this great atmosphere of faith, if that's you, I wonder if you would stand to your feet and we're going to begin to give God praise for your breakthrough right now. We're going to begin to declare that God is worthy of our praise because He is the God of the generations. He is all about mums and dads and sons and daughters. This is what He's about. God, we praise You for the generations. We praise You that this is a generational church. We praise You for the sons and daughters that we've been crying out for. We praise You for those ones that are away from You and we declare their breakthrough in this place tonight. Lord, let this Christmas be a significant moment where the prodigal comes home and encounters Your glory. Lord, we don't want to be upstaged by any rocks. And so we declare the goodness of our God over the generations in this place tonight. I'm getting excited. Are you excited to be in church? The rocks on the roadside are crying out. Give Him praise. He's the God of the generations. 
He has a plan for your son. He has a plan for your daughter. You know what? He loves them more than you do. He has a plan. Never ever lose heart. Never ever stop praising. In Exodus chapter 24, we have these two stone tablets carved out of a mountainside by the very finger of God. With His instruction to us as people, it's what we base our modern society on, a Judeo-Christian ethic. And the awesome thing about these two stones is that they declare that we serve a God who speaks. A God who speaks into your very situation, who has something to say about what it is that you're walking through. I don't know what it is that you're walking through. I don't know how hard it is, but I know that God knows and I know that He has something to say. And so when you come into church and you're helpless and hopeless and lost and you're looking for direction, we have a God that speaks. And these two stone tablets cry out to you from your moment of desperation. And they say, hold on to hope. You don't serve some statue. You don't serve a dead God. You don't serve a historical figure, but you serve a God who spoke back then, who spoke yesterday. He's speaking today and He'll be speaking tomorrow. These 10 commandments, they cry out to us and the stones lift their voice and say, how could you not praise a God who has so much to say about you. How could you not praise? Whew. Sorry, I'm getting a bit excited. Settle down, settle down. Joshua chapter 4. Children of Israel coming into the promised land. And they build a monument made of stones. For future generations to walk past and be reminded. What are they reminded of? They're reminded that we don't just serve a God who makes promises. We serve a God who delivers on His promises. Oh, it's one thing to, to read about something and, and, and know that there's certain promises attached. It's a whole other thing when those promises are delivered on. And just for a minute, when you're, when you're helpless and you're hopeless and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I feel like praising tonight. I don't, know, I don't know if I feel like lifting my hands or lifting my voice. I don't know if I feel like going to church tonight or maybe I just sit home and watch MasterChef. When, when you're thinking about that stuff, just for a minute, just for a little minute, remember, He's a God who makes promises. but He's a God who's faithful to deliver on His promises. And look back over your life and allow those rocks to remind you when He brought you out. Allow those rocks to remind you of the little victories along the journey. Allow those rocks to remind you of the supernatural supply. Allow God's rocks to remind you of the different things that have taken place in your life where you look at it and if you were to, to be honest, there's no other way other than by the hand of God that that thing would have taken place and, and you need to look at those things and hold on to those things and build yourself a monument that those stones might remind you. God promises but God delivers. Whew. God delivers. Judges chapter 6. God appears to a wimpy little dude down the bottom of a wine press who's hiding from the Midianites. He says to him, you need to go and tear down the altar that has been built to Baal. It's not enough just to tear something down though. You've got to build something in its place. You've got to build something in its place. And the angel of the Lord calls Gideon, a mighty man. 
while he's hiding in a hole. God always speaks to your future from where you are right now. He stands outside of time and he says, I see what you're becoming. So I'm going to talk to you like you are what you're becoming. And Gideon is so scared and so terrified of what might be the outcome that he goes out in the middle of the night. And he obeys God in the darkness because he doesn't have the courage to do it in the light. And the village comes out the next day and they want blood. They want to know who's destroyed their altar. And there's a confrontation. And a couple of verses later, there's a moment where this same guy who was going out at midnight pulls the trumpet out and summons the army of Israel. There's something that happened in that transaction that took a wimpy little dude who could only go at night and turn him into a mighty warrior who would go against an army that could not be numbered with 300 men. There's something about an impartation of courage that happened at that moment that was transformative. It changed everything. And there's an altar built of stones that when we can't praise and we don't feel like we can, he cries out to us and said, He's the God who honors what you do in the dark. He's a God who's able to take your weakness and turn it into strength. He's a God who's able to take you from someone who doesn't have the courage to do something when people are looking and turn you into someone who will sound the trumpet and call the army to war. That's the God that we serve. And so if, you, if, if this is as high as you can get your hands in worship, then let that be it. But just, just start to do something. Whatever you do in the dark, you've got to know that there's rocks that are crying out to you saying, what you do in the dark, God honours. What you do in the dark, God can take and multiply and use it. And it might start like this. It might start like this. It might end up like this. It might, it might start like, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, church. Hang out with some friends. And it might end up like, I went to church. And actually, we've got a carol service next week. And, and you should come. You'd love it. So many great people. We're going to sing some carols. There'll be food and rides. Bring the kids. It's, it's kid friendly. They'll love it. We'll have a great time. It's going to be amazing. It might just start like, hey, how was your weekend? But what you do in the dark, the rocks are reminding you, God is able to take what you do in the dark and do something amazing with it. Mm. 1 Samuel, are we there? Are we good? 1 Samuel 17. In a little brook somewhere is four smooth stones. The other one's buried in the head of a giant. Four smooth stones that would cry out to you as you come in feeling inadequate. God, I, I failed this week. I'm rubbish. It's a bad week for me, God. I don't feel worthy to praise. I don't feel like I can praise or should praise. Or It's a bad week. And there's four smooth stones that call out from the ground. They say, He's a God who can use what you have. He's a God who can take a shepherd boy who's killed a lion and a bear and is just willing to get out there and have a go and use him to set a nation free. He beat Goliath, but then he went out and tracked down Goliath's brothers as well. It wasn't just about beating the giant. It was about setting a nation free. The, the giant was just a figurehead. 
And for some of you, you're bogged up because you've got this giant in your way of insecurity or people's opinions or whatever it might be that's stopping you from stepping into destiny and purpose. And every time you hear this giant call your name, you cower down behind the rocks. Those same rocks are crying out to you. I've seen what happens if you get out from behind here. Those same rocks are crying out to you. If you'll just take what's in your hand, what's in your pouch and allow God to use it with a little bit of faith attached, you'll be amazed to see what God can do. We need to praise a God who is able to take a shepherd boy, a teenage boy and use his slingshot to set a nation free. He didn't know what was going to happen. And yet there was a moment where the whole nation was delivered from slavery off the back of one person who's willing to step out. He's the God who can use what you have. 1 Kings 18, I love this. It's one of my favourite stories. Elijah on top of the mountain. Ooh, called, our God is a bad man. Do you know any other gods that call out other gods? Our God's like, come on, you and me, top of the hill now, let's go. That's bad. I love that we have that kind of God. He ain't chicken, he ain't backing down from anyone. And here we have a story of Elijah who summons 400 prophets of Baal and goes, stands on top of the mountain and says, if your God is God, let's see what he's got. It's a you and me in the car park now. Let's sort this out moment, right? Let's get down to business moment. I love that we serve a God who doesn't back down from a confrontation. Oh, come on. Come on, somebody. A God who likes to get on the mountain and say, in front of everybody, I ain't embarrassed. I'm going to do some showing off here. I'm going to show you what I can do. You and me, let's get this on. He's a fighter. And Elijah's standing on top of the mountain and the other dudes are dancing around all day, cutting themselves. Elijah's, he's a bad man too. He's like, maybe your God's on the toilet. Maybe you should yell louder. I can just see him, just a little smirk on his face, just having some fun with this. Maybe he's gone on holidays. He's on a cruise, man. You need to talk louder. He's paying him out all day. And then he has a moment. He calls down fire from heaven. And, and the Bible says that the fire fell from heaven and consumed not just the offering, not just the fuel, not just the water, but the very stones themselves. So those stones can't tell you anything. But see, there was two altars. And the stones of the other altar, they want you to know that He's the one true God. They want you to know that He's the God who's not afraid of a confrontation. They want you to know that He's the God who says multiple times, test me. Test me on this and see if I won't be faithful. Test me on this and see if I won't honour my word. He's the God who's so faithful that He honours His word to dead men. That's the kind of faithfulness we're talking about. He made a promise to Adam that he fulfilled two and a half thousand years later. He fulfills his promises to David. He is the one true God. And you can rely on that. Mm. He called the other guy out. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel refuses to give up his devotional life. I'm not going to stop praying. Ends up getting thrown in the lion's den. Things are looking pretty bleak about now. I don't know if you know much about lion's dens. Not a cool place to hang. Um, generally doesn't end well for people. He's in a lion's den with a bunch of hungry lions. In the natural, that does not end well. 
despite what you've seen on those GoPro things on, on, on YouTube, <laughs> dudes rolling around with the lines like, isn't this fun? Normally people get dead doing that. And here's Daniel in the lines then. This wasn't designed as a recreational retreat for people. This wasn't designed as a thing you could go just to pass some time. I think I need to think I'm going to go sit in the lines then. It was somewhere that they put you to get you dead. That was the purpose. At this point, it's looking fairly bleak for Daniel. And in the natural, there's no possible way that he makes it through the night. The king himself can't sleep, tossing and turning all night because he's worried about his buddy. And he comes out first thing in the morning and he calls, Daniel, are you still alive? And Daniel's like, yeah, man, I'm good. It's sweet. Not a problem. And I can almost hear the amazement in the stone's voice. When we come into church and we're not sure if we feel like praising. And the stone's like, have you forgotten? If you're in the 11th hour, if all other hope is gone, that's the last time you stop praising. Because in this spot, the only thing that gets you through is the most high. The only thing that gets you through this situation is the supernatural power of God. You don't get out of this thing with good people management. You don't get out of this thing with big love offerings. You don't get out of this thing by saying something forwards and backwards. You don't get out of this thing any other way but by the power of a mighty God who is able to deliver you from the mouth of the very thing that is there to consume you. And I don't know if you're here tonight. I feel like we need to praise a little bit. I don't know if you're here tonight and you feel like you're in a lion's den right now, like stuff is about to consume you. It might be financial. It might be a health crisis. It might be a relationship crisis. And it feels like something is devouring your life. And you're like, God, I don't even know if I'm going to make it through the night. Now is the time to praise because it's the only way you get out of this situation. Come on, let's lift our voice and give Him some praise in this place. Praise His name. Praise His name in this place. Come on, lift your voice and give Him praise in this place. God, you are the God who is a deliverer. Praise His name. I got a couple more. You got time for a couple more? Just a couple more and then we're done. Matthew chapter 4, you can sit down if you need to. You can stay standing if you want to. I don't care. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness. He's being tested. The devil comes to him and says, If you're the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread. He's been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry, man. He's hungry. And yet he chooses to stick with what is right rather than what feels good. And there's some stones lying on the desert floor and there's still stones. They ain't bread. They're still sitting there as a testimony to you that God knows what it is to desire for something in your flesh 
and yet choose what is right instead. Mm. Yeah, God, God knows. He knows what it feels like to feel completely justified in talking yourself into a position that you're not justified to be into. He understands. He understands what it's like to talk yourself into something that you know is so far outside the will of God, and yet He chose to resist that temptation. And those stones bear witness to you that God knows what it is to struggle. He knows what it is to wrestle, and yet He knows what it is to hold on. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to wrestle. Just hold on. Just hold on. John 8, we're going to get down to serious business now. John 8 is the story of a woman caught in the act of adultery. Ooh, the embarrassment, the shame, the pain. We see a moment, I see a woman's life leading her to that place of brokenness after brokenness after brokenness after brokenness. I see a religious spirit that feels superior wants to take out their vengeance on this poor woman. And then I see a saviour kneeling in the dirt, riding, drawing attention away from her, drawing attention to himself. He says, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And I see his floor littered with stones from people who couldn't but drop their stone and walk away. And those stones cry out to us as the church when we struggle to praise that He's a God of grace. Despite our brokenness, in the midst of our pain, no matter where you've been or what you've been up to, those stones cry out to you. They've got to let you know. They need you to know. He's a God of grace. There's no judgment in Him. He's a God of grace. John 11 Lazarus, been dead for three days. And Jesus comes and he says, roll aside the stone. Roll aside the stone. And that stone cries out to you from history. And it wants, wants you to know that he's a God who is able to remove whatever it is that is in your way. Whatever it is that is stopping you from getting to what He has for you, if it's what He has for you, He can get it out of the way. He wants you to know that no matter how helpless or hopeless it might seem right now, that if what He has for you is on the other side of that stone, and that stone is not an obstacle at all. And no matter how big or impossible or impassable it might feel to you right now, you need to know, you need to hold on. Because if your promise is on the other side of the stone, then He is able to roll that thing out the way. And that stone wants you to know when you come into praise, you are trusting God and saying, God, I, I can't but praise you because in myself, I'm bound up by these grave clothes and I couldn't get up from where I am and move that stone for myself. So there's no possible way. So I just got to praise and hope that you're going to come and intervene in my situation and get this blockage out of the way because I got to get to where you want me to be. Whew. Nearly done. Two to go. You ready? We're going to be done on time. It's good. Acts chapter 7. It's the story of a man called Stephen. All he did was tell the truth. All he did was preach the gospel. All he did was wait on tables and love on people. 
with an anointing on his life. Did nothing wrong. And yet he finds himself kneeling on the ground, staring into heaven, looking at Jesus while they throw stones and ultimately take his life. And there's a pile of stones stained with the blood of the martyrs. We come into church, not sure if I feel like praising today. Come on. There's a pile of stones that in one hand they say, how could you? Covered in the blood of people who gave everything. And on the other hand, they say, don't you know, yours is a God worth dying for. Not only that, he's a God worth living for. So many people want to tell you what they would die for. I want to know what you would live for. And there's some blood-soaked stones that cry out to the modern church with the blood of people like Stephen who went before us. And they say, how could you not? You have an opportunity to stand in God's presence and lift your voice and give Him praise. And the rocks are crying out from alongside the roadside. Don't get too busy looking cool. Don't get too busy looking conservative. Don't get too busy doing all the stuff that you do, doing church and being holy. You forget, we serve a God worth dying for. Yeah? Last point. And we're going to praise a little. Matthew 28. There's a giant stone with an angel bum print on it. The cries out to you. He's not a dead God. He's not a historical figure. He's a risen Savior. He's a risen Savior. The angel rolled aside the stone and sat down. And that stone cries out to you today and says, you know what? He's not, he's not a Muhammad. He's not a Buddha. He's not someone who's dead and gone and buried. But the stone's been rolled away and he's been raised from the dead. You serve a risen Saviour. How could you not praise his name? How could you not lift your voice and sing unto him and give him glory and honour? Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name. Yes, yes, yes. We'll sing your praise, God. I feel like we should sing that verse that says, and on the third, I feel like we just need to sing that. Lift the roof off this place. He's a risen Savior. Yes, He did.
his name. Come on, church. I want to hear you sing tonight. Come on, don't be upstaged by no rocks in this place tonight. Sing out of your revelation and let the enemy know. to come in just a minute let's never let ourselves be upstaged by a rock ever again I hope that this was empowering and as revelatory to you as it was to me it changed the way I looked at worship it changed the way I looked at praise it changed the way I looked at church it changed the way I looked at life it removed all my excuses and all my wisdom which is what we use to describe things that we don't really want to do well I don't think it's really that wise Ultimately, we just don't want to do it. It removed all of those blockages and arguments and left me in a place where I had no choice but to lift my hands, lift my heart, and to worship the King of Kings with everything that I have because I refuse to be upstaged by a rock. I don't want to have to be reminded about the greatness of my Savior by a rock. I'm going to praise my God with everything that I have. We have an incredible opportunity next weekend with our Christmas celebration to invite somebody else to experience, you know, what is a Christmas carol to somebody else is really just worship to us. Singing about the greatness of our God. Don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 